trying to pull the story. That's one thing I've been trying to learn how to get better to do is to pull a story out of somebody to get them feel comfortable to provide context to what they're teaching. Because when you provide context and a story around what you're teaching, that teaching becomes relatable. There's a situation that a person can relate to and thus it'll likely allow them to resonate with it more, to feel emotion with that story, to then take action from it as well. So anytime I can get a person to start telling the story about how something happened, just like how you asked me about how I got started versus just like telling everybody, hey, Pat, you're a successful entrepreneur. You used to be an architect. No, you got into the story. I told you how, how I was laid off and many people can relate to similar situations. So you know, you're doing a great job and, and I try to teach other... I teach a lot of people how to podcast as well. I've had tens of thousands of students and uh, the story, it's all about the story. That's what I love about this platform. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. My name is Caleb Williams and this show is super, super special to me. Pat Flynn has been an uh, indirect mentor of mine for, you know, so many years. He actually got me in to this whole podcast game, which got me into Audible, which got me to read books, which got me to change the way that I thought. And, and literally I'm doing what I'm doing now because one man started a podcast. Um, if you're into podcasts at all, Smart Passive Income, He's uh, his podcast has been downloaded more than 55 million times. See, when I talked to Pat in person, we, he was kind of presenting on this idea of, you know, each one of his podcasts gets downloaded around 150,000 times. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having one platform and having that many people listen to your message. Well, the reason why he's growing and will continue to grow is he's just super, super genuine. I had the opportunity to talk to him, not just about the book that he's coming out with, but really walked him through idea of his better wealth journey about, you know, a little bit about his backstory, how he defines better wealth. You know, this idea, he's super passionate about this, this, you being your number one asset and kind of talking about entrepreneurship in the schools. I asked him what his personality type was. I asked him about, you know, relationship advice. And it was just a really, really special uh, time that I had. And I know it's going to provide so much value to you. So here's my request. Listen to it. I would love to hear your biggest takeaways. And without further ado, here's the legend himself, Pat Flynn. Hey, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I told you this like before, but listen, I am doing what I'm doing because of you, man. I, when I was 17 years old, I listened to a podcast of yours. I don't even remember what it was, <laughs> but that got me in the podcast game, which got me into the Audible game. And I'm literally doing what I'm doing now because of you. So thank you so much. And it's such an honor to have you on my show. Thank you for saying that. I mean, this is this kind of feedback is why I do what I do as well. I'm sure you receive a lot of similar feedback from the people who you affect. And so we're just kind of uh, putting ourselves out there in the world, trying to make the internet and the world a better place. And I'm just so glad to align with people like you. And I'm here to deliver value today. And uh, I'll follow your lead. Whatever I can do to help you and your audience, let me know. Super cool. So now you have a book that just came out, which I'm super excited to kind of unpack because I heard firsthand you give a talk on this. And and as it relates to us being entrepreneurs, being our greatest asset, I think it's going to add a ton of value. So I'm hoping to unpack that. But selfishly, Pat, I am super curious to kind of unpack your journey to better wealth because you mm -hmm. you literally have a show called Smart Passive Income. So you've like, you. the one, I mean, one of my questions is I'm just curious, like the mindset shifts that you've had since making the show. And so for, for the like two people that are listening that don't know anything about you, I, could you just give a quick 
origin kind of backstory on who you are, because I think it's super powerful. And we can kind of jump into a little bit of your journey to better wealth. Absolutely. Thank you, Caleb. So I thought I was going to be an architect uh, my whole life. I went to school for architecture, graduated with a degree, and I was working in the field for quite a while and excelling very much in that space until June of 2008, I was told I was going to be laid off. And that was a that was a terrible blow to me, especially I just proposed to my wife and like all this stuff was happening and I, I was on such a big high and then came down so hard crashing and I didn't really have a plan B because I was trying to do what I thought was the right thing to do, which was, you know, be an architect and have this secure job. But to fast forward, I ended up saving myself by getting inspired by a podcast actually showing me this hmm. Uh, this world of online business and the fact that you could take knowledge that you have about something and it doesn't have to change the entire world. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, blockbuster hit. But if you're helping solve people's problems, I mean, you can create something, a business out of that. So the topic that I knew a lot about that I could help people with was this little exam in the space called the lead exam. Hmm. And most people listening probably don't even know what that is, but it's a little niche exam in the architecture space. And I had developed the website and a study guide to help people pass. And uh, very shortly, that started to grow quite quickly. And I became known as sort of an expert about that topic. Uh, and the funny thing is I barely passed that exam. <laughs> I only knew a lot about it because I had studied so hard and I knew more than people who were just starting out. So in that regard, I became the expert. And that turned into uh, over $200,000 business in a year. And um, I then developed the website and blog where most people know me from now, which is called Smart Passive Income, because this world of online business opened up my eyes. It literally saved me because I was living with my parents to save money for this wedding and all this stuff. And so I just wanted to share anything and everything I learned about online business because everything that was out there at the time was just like, hey, we have the riches, but you have to pay first to get access to that. And I was just like, that, that shouldn't be like, there's so many more opportunities out there for everybody. I'm just going to share everything on SmartPass. Right. How I built that business, what goes right, what goes wrong, even how much money I was making, where it was all coming from, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then that platform began to grow and that turned into a YouTube channel in 2009, a podcast in 2010. I started speaking on stage in 2011. I started uh, writing books in 2013. And here I am, you know, over a decade uh, later and people are calling me like, you know, the old school legend in this space. And I'm just like, wait, I'm only 36. You're making me sound really old. Um, but uh, I'm very blessed uh, for the audience that I've built. And really, it all comes down to the experiences and the moments that I offer for my audience when they find me. From the moment mm -hmm. they find me to getting value to making them feel like they belong, making them feel like they can do it, and then and then interacting with them all along the way to help them become super fans. And I can go to a random city now and tweet that I'll be at a restaurant at a certain time and I have 20, 30, sometimes 50 people come out. Yeah. It, just, it just blows my mind and, and I'm just so thankful uh, for this journey. And this is what I put into my book, Super Fans, to teach people how anybody, it doesn't matter what niche you're in, you can have people, you, you can become somebody's favorite, right? And as a result of that, build an amazing future-proof business that's supported by your people without having to continue to pay for ads or worry about SEO or algorithm changes. None of that stuff matters if you have fans who love you and will follow you wherever you go. And that's what I want to teach people how to do. Pat, one of the things that I most admire about you is you're so genuine. I mean, I've heard you on stage, but just listening to your podcast, you just like you get your 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 person that you're interviewing to like open up and like you're just like get down to kind of the deeper root. And like that's why it's really clear to me, like why more and more people are becoming your super fans. But what's what's one of the biggest things that when the biggest mindset shifts that you've made since starting your show and now you've interviewed 
just hundreds and hundreds of um, or just extraordinary people. What's the biggest shifts in your mindset now to when you first started? Yeah, I mean, I've recorded over 1,300 episodes. Not all of them are with other people, but many of them are. And I've learned over time that the more just naturally and genuinely curious I can be about that person, the more information I can extract. And of course, as a result, the better the podcast episode is. And my mindset has definitely, my mindset has definitely shifted from just, you know, oh my gosh, I hope I can, you know, create a good episode and I hope that the conversation will go well and I'm just so worried about that. And then writing down all the questions ahead of time and then having it be just a very mm-hmm. sort of just a structured show that really anybody could host versus like owning up to who I am, what I believe and, and using that to help generate questions based on just where the conversation seems to be going and not being afraid to ask questions like, why? Right. Why, did you, why did you do that? Or well, what did you feel in that situation? Or if a person's telling a story, just simply having them uh, finish and then going, okay, well, what happened next? Right. And these are really simple questions that I think we podcasters, we just so, so often sort of like leave on the side because we are so worried about the sort of like, right. you know, pro questions and trying to be this pro interviewer. I think if you're just genuinely curious, your show is going to take off because that, you know, your audience will be curious as well. hundred percent. And so your, your secret, if you want to say to asking good questions is just be naturally curious and like care about your audience, but care about the person that you're talking to. Exactly. And, 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 and on top of that, trying to pull the story. That's one thing I've been trying to learn how to get better to do is to pull a story out of somebody to get them feel comfortable to provide context to what they're teaching. Because when you provide context and a story around what you're teaching, that teaching becomes relatable. There's a situation that a person can relate to and thus it'll likely allow them to resonate with it more, to feel emotion with that story, to then take action from it as well. So anytime I can get a person to start telling the story about how something happened, just like how you asked me about how I got started versus just like telling everybody, hey, Pat, you're a successful entrepreneur. You used to be an architect. No, you got into the story. I told you how how I was laid off and many people can relate to similar situations. So you know, you're doing a great job and, and I try to teach other, I teach a lot of people how to podcast as well. I've had tens of thousands of students and uh, the story, it's all about the story. That's what I love about this platform uh, because, you know, everybody listening to this, maybe you're on a walk or at the gym or a car. I mean, you you have time to listen to these stories and it just becomes that much more meaningful. So out of all your podcasts, do you have a favorite? I do. My favorite episode is episode 122. I don't know if you are like this too, but you can kind of remember the episode numbers. I mean, I've recorded over 1300 and I can remember probably more than 75% of them to the number. Hmm. It's kind of just crazy. But episode 122 was with uh, two uh, people who became fans of mine. Um, but they were telling the story, the origin story of when they first listened to my podcast. And uh, this is with with Shane and Jocelyn Sands, two teachers in Kentucky, who literally Shane was mowing his lawn and found my podcast, stopped sort of mid-mow to go into his house, storm in the house and go, this guy, Pat Flynn's talking about passive income. We have to do this. And then Jocelyn thinking that he's just an insane, crazy person. And then that started the journey of them building their seven-figure business and it's just, you know, that, 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 that lawnmower story. Like I can imagine the grass still like half, <laughs> half cut, you know, like in that story. And just, uh, I'm, I'm just so blessed because they were very much without me even asking, uh, telling everybody who was listening just how much of an effect I had on their lives because they got inspiration and then they took action, which then gets everybody else listening to take action too. Do you, is there a hack for um, like finding like the top podcasts on someone? Because one of the one of the disadvantages of having over a thousand podcasts out there is how does someone begin like a channel of your 
on yours? Like, do you recommend them just starting listening to your next episode or like, what's your thoughts there? Good question. You know, once you build a giant archive, it's like a blog, right? It's just so overwhelming when you see all of it in front of you. Where do you, where do you even start? So one thing I always have is a get started page on my website and I offer people, okay, that's where you start. You'll even see on my homepage, at least the way it's currently designed, it says like, hey, start here. And that has actually the starting episodes I want people to listen to if they're being introduced to Smart Passive Income for the first time. So that actually is episode 192, 193, and 194, which are, there's literally a player on that starting page. Um, But I also recommend when I have conversations with people who ask the same question, just, well, my question is, okay, well, what do you, what's your next task? What's your next thing? Right. And I can go, okay, well, I have an episode with Tim Ferriss about that exact topic. Go start there. I I never recommend people start at the beginning, although people still do that. I have people who email me who go, Pat, I just spent the last four months listening to every episode. I'm, I'm finally caught up. And I'm like, that's amazing. But yeah, <laughs> why? You're wasting your time. Like, there's, you know, start with what your next task is. And I, I, I love to do this thing called just-in-time learning, which is I, number one, know what my next priority is. And, and number two, I only allow myself to listen or read or learn about that next thing. Um, and it's tough because there's FOMO, right? There's all this amazing content. I know that when you're subscribed to a podcast, you're like, oh, that next episode came out, but I, you know, I want to catch up and, and stay on top of it. But honestly, if you want to progress, learn about what you're working on next, master it, do it, and then reward yourself with the next thing and the next thing you're going to learn. So that, that's how I approach my work too. I love it. One thing that I've noticed in helping people with money is there's a lack of clarity on what we actually want. Mm. And so one of the things that I've really tried to focus on in my own life and the people that I've talked to is why does this even matter? How would you define your why and how then would you define what wealth means to you? It's funny because when you talk to people about business, especially, it's like, okay, well, they, they want to grow, a, they want to be a millionaire, right? I was like, okay, that's a cool number. It's kind of fun and exciting, but why? And I ask the same questions too. And they, well, because I want to support my family. I want to have financial freedom. But then when you, when you really calculate the numbers, it's like, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to have that. Right. So that changes everything because what you do should be based on where you want to go, right? It's like putting that ad- address in the navigation in your car and then knowing which turns to take versus just kind of driving endlessly, hoping you'll arrive in some amazing vacation spot somewhere. Um, so when it comes to me, I mean, it's interesting because my goals have changed over time. And I think as you grow as a person, your goals will change over time. Things change. Checking in with yourself internally on a regular basis is so important because your goals from three years ago may be completely different now. And I think, you know, I I take a program every year by my my good friend, Michael Hyatt, called Best Year Ever, which allows me to align not just my financial goals, but my life goals, my marriage goals, my, all those things and keep up with them uh, as they perhaps might change. But uh, in the beginning, when I was laid off, my goal was just to, can I survive? That was my goal. So can I generate enough income to uh, get to where I was when I was an architect? And and that actually happened rather quickly. But if I immediately set out to go, okay, I need to turn this business into a seven-figure business, I would either have been just as successful on paper, but felt like I wasn't a success because I was supposed to be a millionaire, even though I could support myself. So I'm very glad I knew what number I needed to reach. Um, But at the same time, if I was really wanting to be a millionaire at that time, well, then my actions would have changed, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but again, going back to, well, why do you want to be a million? I just wanted to survive at first. So initially just survive, get through that. And then we we ended up uh, getting pregnant. And then it was about my kids and and making sure that we as a family were financially secure. And then from there, it was then thriving. 
Could we build a, a, a big emergency account? Um, could we build a, a for fun fund in our family so we can take regular vacations? You know, those kinds of goals then started to show up. That wouldn't have, sh- that, that shouldn't be there in the start when I was in survival mode, right? So it's again changing. And then it became, okay, we are financially secure. The college uh, is paid for if the kids choose to go there. What do we do next? What are our goals? And then it was like, okay, who can we help next? So we started to do a lot of philanthropic stuff. So we built a couple schools in Ghana, Africa, and have continued to support Pencils of Promise because we don't need this excess income that we have. And I, again, feel so blessed about that. So we're using that to, to, to help others who may need it, who we don't even know. Um, and then we're going to start to, as you mentioned earlier, sort of my, my wanting to get into education, a lot of that income and, and my time in the future is going to be spent toward being an agent of change there. So it's interesting how one goal then creates the sort of trampoline to the next goal. And then, you know, it becomes, we start to see higher and higher and, and look over as we bounce higher and higher. And it's nice because we can then continue to, um, you know, change our actions based on what our next goals might be. And for me, wealth is not money-based, it's happiness. It's happiness, just pure, just happiness. And I always ask myself, okay, if I'm not happy, why? And then what can I do to get happy? Okay, let's do that. You know, even with my wife, every week I ask her, what would make you happy this week? And then just like, let's go do that. And sometimes it's just like, she just wants to be at home and chill and watch Netflix and that's fine. Other weeks, it's like, you know, we've been at home for a while. Let's go to Disneyland uh, next week. Okay, let's do that. Whatever would make, it ha- would make us happy. The, the, the money support can, can support that, right? The people who say, oh, money can't buy you happiness. I mean, that's, there's, there's half truths and half falses there. But to me, it's, you know, wealthy is happy. And for me, we don't have a mansion or fancy cars and Lamborghinis. And for some people, Sure, that maybe makes you happy, although I would argue that maybe that's not actually the case in most cases uh, for people who are like that. But for me, it's just financial security, having the freedom to choose where I want to go, when I want to go, and, and making sure uh, the family's healthy and, and uh, thriving. Thank you so much for sharing that. Do you, do you have a why? Like, do you have a why statement that you live by? Or is, is as you were saying, that kind of changes in the seasons of your life? Sure. I mean, for me, there are uh, personal whys uh, for what I do. I am a three in the Enneagram. So I- me too. You, are you a three also? <laughs> yeah. You know, this was only something that has come about in the last uh, year and a half since our friends who uh, we've known for a while have studied the Enneagram and have become even closer and, and, and have uh, loved each other even more and have become even more successful because part of knowing what you want is knowing who you are mm-hmm. and the kind of person who you are and how you respond to certain things. And it's neither good or bad. It's just knowing who you are. Everybody has their characteristics. And this is so important to know, especially when you're in a relationship, but even for the relationship you have with yourself. So for me, I know, for example, that getting recognition for my work is very important. Right. And that's why I'm so thankful for getting laid off because when I was in architecture, although I was happy in that work, I realized that I actually wasn't always fulfilled. And this is why I worked so hard there because I wasn't getting thanked for all the work I was doing. I kept working harder and harder and I wanted to work so hard so that finally I could uh, own my own architecture firm when I was 50 and then get thanked for my work like famous architects do. I wasn't getting thanked for the hard work I was doing there. I was just pushing off papers and work and, and, and I had a team and we were just doing whatever we could to, to meet those deadlines. And it's funny because when I started my online business in this little niche called the lead exam space, I remember helping people pass this exam and, and getting, you know, notes like essays from people, sometimes even handwritten notes saying, thank you, Pat. 
you finally saved me from this exam. Or you know, they would call me by my name and recognize me for this little tiny exam that I wasn't even, like I didn't make this exam, I just studied it. And that felt so good to me. And I think a lot of it comes from who I was as a kid and all this growing up in a house where I had to be perfect and 100% on all my tests and all that stuff. But um, you know, my, my why is to help people so much so that they can't help but want to thank me for that. Wow. And I don't know if anybody can see this right now, but um, what, what Caleb is seeing is behind me this big board of, of, of stuff. And these are all handwritten thank you notes, right? That remind me about why I do what I do. And so when I'm down in the dumps or I'm just not feeling the energy today, I look behind me in this, this board of handwritten notes from people. I'm like, I have to keep going. And part of it is a selfish thing because I want to continue to get these things. But I know that as a byproduct of helping people, that thank you will come. So my goal is to always serve first. And when I serve, I get rewarded. And it's, it's not even a, a direct transaction. Hey, I will only serve you if I get this back. It is a truly universal, spiritual, karma, karma situation. And, and that's my drive. And, and you're 100% a go-giver. It just comes across on how you talk. Do you know you're uh, Myers-Briggs? Oh gosh. Uh, I, I'm definitely introvert. Number one. Yep. I, can't, I took it recently. I can't remember off the top of my head. I love personality tests and I think it's so fascinating because it's, we literally communicate differently depending on what we are. Uh, another random question that I ask people that I admire is I'm single. What's your thoughts on, or what's your piece of advice on when I start dating? What, like if you had to do that over again, what things would you like, like what would you share with yourself? Well, what I remember, so when I got together with my uh, wife, we started dating after college. So when I was 25 and this was like 2005, this was pre Tinder, pre match.com. <laughs> We're swiping. Uh, like I, I, when that stuff came out, I was like, are you, are you for real? But it's funny because a lot of my friends are meeting each other on those platforms. And it's amazing right. sometimes with how busy we all are in society, that's the only way to meet people. And I think that's cool. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter how you meet people. What matters mostly is when you do meet people, you are always genuinely yourself. Because the last thing you want to do is have people fall in love with you for somebody that you're not. You want to, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe online in, in business and your vibe attracts your, the kind of people that would be attracted to you. And this is why in business, especially when I see people sort of like renting Lamborghinis and mansions and then creating videos at these spaces, I'm just like, okay, well, like, that's cool. And you're going to get people to watch you, but they're not watching you. They're watching all the things that you're renting around you, that this is not fully you. And that's why when you see me online or you hear me on my podcast, I'm just always fully myself. I always admit when I, know, when I make mistakes and, or I don't know something and that attracts the people who, who like me for me. And because I talk about my family a lot, I'm attracting a lot of people who also have families too, uh, to my show, which is really cool. But best advice is just be fully yourself and, and, and be confident in who you are because the people who you should be ending up with are going to love you for that. And it also acts as a filter for those who aren't going to jive with you. You don't have to change who you are for somebody else. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that I 100% believe in is that we as individuals are our greatest asset. So what a lot of people are you know, teaching is take money and invest it elsewhere. And while that could be a fine strategy, I believe the best investment we can make is in ourselves as entrepreneurs. When, mm. it, when it relates to like, you know, going back to the education system, and I know you're super passionate about entrepreneurship, do you want to unpack your thoughts on this idea of you being your number one asset? And then what, if you had to take over the school system, what you would do to incorporate that mindset in our kids? Yeah, I mean, we are our own worst enemy and we are our best asset, our best ally. 
because, and there's so many things. I mean, we, this could, this is an hour long show in and of itself, right? This topic, because there's the, the physical side of things. So taking care of yourself physically so that you can be physically ready to help others too, and be in your best sort of energy state to help others and be in your most creative state because your physical also plays with who you are in your brain, right? And, and the, whether it's confidence or the science behind, you know, the energy you get and, and how you eat and how that turns into sort of creative uh, mindsets and, uh, you know, your, your productivity and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's that aspect, but then just like the, 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 the working on your mental states um, from sleep to surrounding yourself with people who can encourage you to um, appreciating the small wins along the way as you're building something so hard and difficult. And this is where that ties into to education, you know, the gratitude for how far you've come, even though there might be a long way to go. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially, but all of us, we could, we could use more gratitude in our lives to realize that, you know, although things aren't the way we want them to be yet, or things are far away, we've come a long way as well. And we are positioning ourselves to continue one step forward in the next day, in the next week, in the next year, and what have you. And this idea of changing education, it's so, it's the biggest task I've ever taken. But, it, but you know, I, I think about education, I think about Ben Franklin, right? He had a massive effect on the way education is and, and schools and, and whatnot. And it's so interesting because his biography is one of my favorites. But you look at his biography, it's like 700 pages, right? Um, and the first like 50 pages, a small sliver of that book, he's already 40 years old. And the 650 pages are what he's known for after the age of 40. All the amazing things that, that we know him for from electricity and kites and, you know, everything, right? It's just like, I'm only 36. Like, I have the rest of my life to devote to something that's so, like, what can that be? And to me, that's education. I want to be an agent of change in education to a point where entrepreneurship, for example, is a required subject in school. That's my, that's my tangible, that would be a tangible win for me, my goal. Reading, science, math, writing, entrepreneurship. Whether a kid becomes an entrepreneur or not, it doesn't matter. But the skills that an entrepreneur has allows them to, number one, fully understand what their own superpowers are and how they can contribute to whatever system they end up putting themselves into. Number two, they understand that mistakes are a part of the process. Failing is okay, yep. which is the complete opposite of how school traditionally is. Yep. Number three, being able to present and share ideas and communicate with others, even if you don't know them. Right. Because if you are an employee, you still need to be able to present and share your full self and your superpowers or present to clients or any of this stuff. All the skills that you learn as an entrepreneur can transpire for you being a better person, even in relationships as well. So that's number one. And number two, just um, really focusing on the individual child. And this is something that you're starting to see in many schools today, uh, which is amazing, but on a more grander scale where, you know, every kid's different and every kid has their own strengths. College is not necessary. College, if you see that you have a strength for helping people and you are very surgical in what you do and you love medical stuff, then yes, you would then know that college is what you, what you need. But for many, college is what they need because either society tells them that, their schools tell them that, high school tells them that, or their parents tell them that. And that's not okay because we're asking kids, even at the age of five, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. That's such an unfair question to ask at that age because how, do, how does a five-year-old even know what's available to them? 100%. How do they know what, what they like, what they don't like? Well, and, and a lot of my, I mean, my learning has come 16, 17, 18. I was, I was dyslexic, was homeschooled. And so mm. I, I know that's not for everyone, but I'm super grateful for my, the way that my family raised me and believed in me. Pat, you came out with a, you're coming out with a book. I pre-ordered it. I'm super excited. I, I also like, just by hearing your talk, wrote down something really significant. My big takeaway from your whole talk 
was I have to make a fan every single day. And, and I think so often as, as someone that wants to create a movement, I'm trying to think so big. And in the process, I, I end up stepping over the people that want to support us. So yes. I, I know that time is limited, but like, do you want to give a little bit of about your book and then how someone can go and pre-order it? Or if you're listening to this after it's out, um, go and buy it because this, this book, you guys will change your life. Thank you so much for that. It's, it's called Superfans. And to me, it's the easiest way to build a thriving business, a future-proof business. And you can pre-order it uh, on Target, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon's easy, obviously. And then if you submit your receipt actually to yoursuperfans.com before August 13th, you'll get the audiobook for free. So if you're listening to this beforehand, awesome. If not, I'm, uh, you know, the audiobook will be available later. But uh, you, could, you can pre-order it now. But it's, it's going to be out August 13th. And what it does is it runs you through a specific sequence of strategies, tactics, ways that you can create moments for people who come across your brand, whether you are a solo YouTuber who's just trying to create a little following and, and build a little side income or a Fortune 500 company who wants to learn how to better connect with their people and stand out of the competition because super fans can be the lifeblood of your business. These are the people who will listen to every episode that you come out with, who will buy every product and not even read the sales page. They're going to fly you know, eight hours to come see you speak for 45 minutes on stage. The, these, these are the people who will market for you without you even asking. And when everybody's so focused on more traffic, more listeners, more downloads, SEO, it's like, okay, cool, you're getting more people in your brand, but what happens when people get there? Yep. How can you take those people and sort of increase their moments with you and, and, and create these experiences where you will become their favorite because once that happens, you've got them and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that as well, which I talk about in the book too. But this is really a roadmap because going back to your statement of you know one fan a day, this ties into an essay that was written by Kevin Kelly back in 2007 about how if you just had a thousand true fans, super fans, that were paying you $100 a year for your art, your music, your whatever, I mean, that's your six-figure business already. And if you want to break this down, that's a fan a day for less than three years is that. And so you're right. Most people want to go for the blockbuster hit with millions of fans. But going back to, well, what is your why? Maybe you don't need a million fans right now. Yeah. But it's funny because once you get a thousand fans, they're going to tell a thousand other people and they're going to tell 2,000 other, you know, it just grows from there. So super fans is, is, is the thing. And it's my, you know, passion. It's something that I've talked about for over five years now, and I'm excited that it's packaged into a book for everybody now. And I'm super excited. One of the things that I'm I'm requiring my whole team it, it's going to be our required re uh, reading when when it comes out because so happy we're so focused on growing new audiences, which is important. But sometimes it, it's again, it's easy to forget the people that have already entrusted us. And that one thing, like I left your talk and bomb bombed some of our. Um, clients, not necessarily that have given us the most money, but have like believed in us the most and just thank them. And it, I just, I just out of the bottom of my heart, Pat, thank you so much for what you're doing in, in just this world. Thank you for like building schools. And uh, I, I mean, I could talk to you for a whole day and ask you a bunch more questions on money and your book. But if you have not gotten the book, pre-order super fans. If you're listening to this after August 13th, go out and buy the book and leave a review and, and share it with the people uh, that, that you think could, uh, it could impact. So Pat, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. And let's chat again. This is fun. 
I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the conversation that I had with Pat. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to him. He is the real deal. And you know what he said about better wealth, I thought was really, really interesting. This idea of, you know, better wealth equaling happiness, not necessarily having money or having a nice house or having nice cars, but getting really clear on like living the kind of life that you want to live and asking that. And one of the things that I just want to ask you is, do you have clarity on what better wealth actually means to you? And there's no wrong answer, but a lack of clarity just there, there, there's a ton of confusion that, that happens because of that. And, and when you have clarity, uh, that's, that's when the passion comes. That's when the vision comes. That's when the motivation to actually get up and work comes when you have clarity and you, and you have a why that's, you know, you know, inspires you. The other thing that I got from, you know, just our conversation is the importance of a super fan. You know, I might be quote unquote, the face, this might be, um, my show, but the reality is we wouldn't be able to have any impact as a company. I wouldn't have any impact as a person if it wasn't for you. So I genuinely out of the bottom of my heart want to thank you so much for for liking, uh, for rating, for sharing the podcast. Like it truly means the world. And I just like, I, I literally, this is, this, is, this is one of the reasons I'm doing this is, is to get the feedback or um, to get this shared with one person that it changes their life. So thank you. Um, go out and have an incredible week and uh, just have clarity on why you're doing what you're going to do and go out and crush it. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player. 